last weekend when the weather was so nice outside. My children were playing in the yard and having a good time. And eventually my son Riley came up to me with an idea. He said, hey, daddy, I think I remember seeing a slip and slide in one of the storage rooms in the basement of the church. Can I go look for it? And I said, sure, you can go look for it. And I, I gave him my church key. I placed it into his hand and I sent him on his way. And he went off over to the church and a few minutes had gone by and my daughter Eva said to me, I wonder what's taking Riley so long? And I said, oh, he's probably just searching for the slip and slide, he'll be back soon. But a few more minutes went by and a few more minutes went by and pretty soon it had been over a half an hour since Riley left looking for the slip and slide. Riley's never disconnected from us for that long. So I said, come on, Eva, let's go over to the church to look for your brother. So we walked across the parking lot from our parsonage to the church building. And as we were walking across the parking lot, you know, I remembered that some of those storage room doors downstairs in the church, they have tricky locks on them. And I began picturing Riley locked inside one of those storage rooms, all alone, isolated. And my heart began to get a little bit anxious. I began to get a little bit panicky picturing him there. And we eventually got over to the church building and I grabbed the door handle of the church to swing the door open and go inside and rescue my son. But I realized right in that moment that the doors were all locked and I didn't have the key. I had given the key to Riley. He was inside the church. I was outside the church, disconnected from him. There I was, locked out of the church, disconnected from someone I love. And I thought to myself, well, isn't this perfect? Isn't this just an illustration of what all of us are living through right now? All of us, locked out of our church, disconnected and isolated from the people that we love. You know, God designed us to be in perfect, harmonious connection with him and perfect, harmonious connection with one another. But because of sin, because of what has happened to our hearts and our souls and our minds and our relationships, disconnection is has happened all over the place. Now, eventually we found Riley. He was fine. He had just met up with Matthew Lund, who works for the church and lives inside the church building. And they got to chatting six feet apart, of course, and they went looking for the slip and slide together. But that moment of panic, that moment of disconnection really stuck with me as a depiction of the human condition. So I was amazed when we... When I started preparing for this sermon today, Mark chapter 1, when Jesus encountered this man with leprosy, because I realized that that disconnection from God and from one another that we're all feeling right now, but it's part of the human condition, that disconnection is the very reason Jesus came. Jesus came to reconcile what sin has divided. Let's look at the story together. It begins in a bit of a frantic search, a little bit like the one I just described for you in looking for Riley. But in this case, people are looking for Jesus. Let's look at it together. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said to him, Everyone's looking for you. I may have said something like that to Riley when I finally found him in the church building. Everyone's looking for you, Jesus. Where have you been? 
The previous story tells us that Jesus was becoming so popular that an entire village had come out to look for him. It's probably why he went to this desolate place to be alone, but his disciples go frantically searching for him and they finally discover him and they find him. You know, I too, over the last several weeks, have witnessed a lot of people searching for Jesus and finding him. This whole crisis that we're living through, this whole global pandemic, it has a lot of us afraid. It has a lot of us anxious. It certainly has a lot of us feeling out of control. And in this event, people are searching for answers. They're searching for God. And I am seeing so many people joining our Bible studies, listening to our sermons online, joining onto the prayer calls. What are we all doing? We're searching for Jesus and we're finding him. Even a global pandemic can be an opportunity for people to find Jesus. In fact, the Apostle Paul said just as much. In Acts chapter 17, Paul is describing how all of the events of history, all the comings and goings of humanity, the boundaries set forth by the nations, these are all under the sovereign hand of God. These are all events in history that some might find him when they search for him. I believe we are in one of those moments right now where there's this global situation happening, but so many people are now searching for and finding Jesus. But you know, something interesting happens when people find Jesus, when they've searched for him. What we might expect is that when people find Jesus after a search, Jesus might say to them, oh, wonderful, you found me. Just come be with me. But instead, Jesus says, you're searching for me. I'm searching for others. Let's go. Let's go find them. That's exactly what happens right here in the story we're looking at today in verse 38. After they have frantically searched for him and found him in verse 38, it says this. Jesus said to them, let's go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. This happens sometimes. I notice it when people find Jesus or when they find the church, they might expect to just have Jesus just be with them, have it be a private affair, just me and Jesus, quiet time with Jesus. Jesus does offer that too to all of us, but he also says, oh, you're searching for me? Come on, join me in my mission to search for and to find others. Let's go to the next towns, as he says to these disciples who found him. Sometimes this bothers people about Jesus. Can't I just sit with you, Jesus, and just have you as a private faith? Why do I have to go on mission with you? I don't know if you noticed this earlier in the worship service when Laura Lospaluto gave the moment for mission. There was a little video that accompanied her, that beautiful video with the quotations of people who've been ministered to by the church. At the very beginning of that video, the, a title came across your screen, and it said, Church on the move. Church on the move. You see, the church was never designed to be something that stands still. Just as when we encounter Jesus after searching for him, he says, come on, I'm on the move to go search and find others. The same is true for the church of Jesus. When we find it, when we find the beauty and the wonder of church, we find a church that's on the move because Jesus is on the move. It's why he came. He is on a mission to reconcile, to reconnect what sin has divided. 
And he meets this leper and he shows us exactly what lengths he would go to to accomplish this mission. Let's read about this leper in verse 40. It says, a leper came to him. A leper. I've been using that phrase, leper. What is a leper? It's, it's somebody with leprosy. Leprosy was a condition, a debilitating condition that some people contracted at the time of Jesus. And it was a really sad situation because they believed it was highly contagious. And once you had leprosy, you were quarantined, basically. You were cut off. You couldn't go worship in the temple, and you couldn't even be touched or touch any other human beings. There were very specific rules in the law of Moses that quarantined people with leprosy. They would go their entire lives without access to temple worship and without connection with other people. Think about this for a moment. We think our quarantine has lasted a long time over the last six or so weeks. Imagine being someone with leprosy in the time of Jesus, having a lifetime of quarantine, disconnection, being locked out from your church, so to speak, being unable to go into the temple to connect with God, and being disconnected from society, from the people around you. It says in the rest of that verse, a leper came to him imploring him. Imploring, this is an indication of desperation. Well, of course he was desperate. He was imploring Jesus and kneeling said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. This is what the leper is desperately asking for from Jesus. I've heard that you're a faith healer. Can you make me clean? The cry of his heart was one of disconnection. He couldn't go into the temple and connect with God. He couldn't be connected with people. Now, eventually, Jesus heals him, and he gives him a very specific instruction. Maybe you noticed in verse 44, he said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for proof to them. Why did Jesus suddenly get so specific on his instruction to the man? Well, he knew what it says in the law, in Moses' law, that this man was supposed to be quarantined. But if he now was cleansed of his leprosy, he had to then follow a specific protocol to be re-entered back into the temple and back into society. Just as we long for and wait for our governor to finally lift the restrictions so that we can come gather in the church once again, Jesus knew that this man had to follow the laws. He had to go present himself to the priest and get readmitted. Now, the man doesn't follow Jesus' instruction. He's just so excited. He goes and tells everybody. I hope eventually the man was readmitted back into the temple. But I want us just to to zoom in on something on this story right now. Because it's not just a story about this man with leprosy that Jesus heals and he gets to reconnect with God and reconnect with other people. It's also our story. And I want us to look very closely at how Jesus healed this man. Because how he heals this man can teach us about what he's done for us. What he's done for us to reconnect us with the Father and to reconnect us with one another, to reconcile what sin has divided. Let's look closely together at verse 41 to see how Jesus heals this man and what he's offering to us. Verse 41, 
moved with pity. Moved with pity. That word pity is reminiscent of the word compassion. Jesus looked at this man, and he looks at us. In our disconnection from God and our disconnection from one another, he's, he's moved with pity. You know, most of the people who looked at this man with leprosy didn't have compassion. They probably had contempt. They probably wanted to stay away from him. Jesus looked at him, and he looks at us with pity, with compassion, and look what he does. He stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. Jesus stretched out his hand, and he touched this man. Probably for the first time in this man's life, he felt the connection of a loving, compassionate hand reached out to him. Not a hand of contempt to swat him away, but a hand of compassion. He stretched out his hand. That phrase, stretched out his hand, it's packed with meaning. The Old Testament people would have heard something reminiscent of God's action in deliverance. It says in many different places throughout the Old Testament that when God acted to deliver his people to judge the enemies of God, he would stretch out his hand. Exodus chapter 3, verse 20, God says, I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in it. After that, he will let you go. See, what's happening here is when God chooses to stretch out his hand, he judges the enemies of God and he delivers the people of God. This phrase, stretched out his hand, would have rang bells in the minds of the first hearers of this story. It's written throughout the Old Testament. The psalmist uses it repeatedly. When God stretches out his hand, he delivers us. But those of us who know the New Testament, This might ring bells for us as well, because we know the story of when God stretched out his hands in the person of Jesus Christ. He stretched out his hands on the cross. And what was he doing there? What was Jesus doing by stretching out his hands on the cross? The very same thing that God was doing in the Old Testament. We stretched out his hand to strike judgment against the enemies of God and to to deliver God's people. In the same way, when Jesus died on the cross, he was not judging us, but receiving the judgment that we deserve because of our sin. And he was delivering us. He was setting us free from the captivity of sin. He stretched out his hand to judge the Egyptians and to set the Israelites free. In the Old Testament, in the New Testament, he stretches out his hands on the cross to receive the judgment we deserve and to set us free. It's the same story. And here, looking at this leper, full of compassion, full of pity, instead of contempt, Jesus stretches out his hand to heal him. This is what he's done for us on the cross. He's received the judgment, he's delivered us, And he has healed us. Now, what 
what might we do in response to such a story happening to us? If we realize that the reason Jesus came was to reconcile, to bring together what sin has divided us in us, how might we respond? You know, there's been so many times when I've fantasized about coming back into church with you all and celebrating and, and having joyous praise. And so many times when I've imagined coming back out into society, the restaurants I'm going to go and enjoy. Imagine this leper suddenly having the restrictions lifted, being able to go worship God in the temple, being able to touch people and be connected with people once again. What might be our response if we realize that that's what we've received from God and Jesus Christ is the freedom to connect with him again in perfect harmony and to connect with one another, that he has reconciled us to himself and to others. What might our response be? Well, it would be to join him in his mission. That once we've searched for him and found him and received what he's given for us, that we would join him in his mission to search for others and to bring reconciliation to a divided world. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 18 gives us this instruction. It says, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled or reconnected us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He's reconciled us back to himself and he gives us the ministry of reconciliation. That same passage calls us ambassadors of reconciliation. Now, I think, church, there's an important call ahead of us. We all have tasted over the last several weeks, in a very real way, the pain that comes from disconnection. And as we all eventually emerge from isolation, in due time, when the church is reopened and when the economy is reopened, we have a call to be ambassadors of reconciliation to be people joining Jesus on his mission to bring together, to reconcile, to unite what sin has divided. I'm going to be honest with you. My heart's been breaking a little bit the last couple of weeks as I've been noticing something happening in our society. I'm starting to notice that political division is re-entering the conversation in a very strong way. It seemed to have quieted down there for the first few weeks of the quarantine. I didn't see as much of the left-wing versus right-wing division happening in our society. But now that we're all getting a little bit more comfortable, a little bit more back in control, now I'm starting to see it flame out into the streets. People are protesting. People are posting things on Facebook and on Twitter. And I'm thinking to myself, if being divided and isolated in our homes is so bad... Why would we emerge from our homes and then divide ourselves politically? Division is the problem. We know that when physical division and isolation happens to us, why would we go out and politically divide ourselves? I'm reminded of the instruction to the Galatians in Galatians chapter 3 where it says, For freedom you've been set free. Do not return again to the yoke of slavery. Church, when we eventually emerge from all of this, 
Our call is to be people who, who unite, not divide. We don't align ourselves with the political divisions of society. No, we have a Savior in Christ who reconciles what sin has divided. Our job is to, is to hold the key, to unlock society once again, to unlock the church once again, and in so doing, to reconcile what sin has divided, to be people of reconciliation, to be ambassadors of reconciliation, to be people who stretch out our hands not in contempt to swat away those who are different from us, but to have compassion and to say, come, I've met a savior. I've searched for him. I have found him. He stretches out his hand for us to reconnect us with the father, to reconnect us with one another. He's died in our place on the cross by stretching out his hands. Let's go find others. We need to know him. Church, will you join me on this mission? In due time, when things start opening back up once again, will you fix your eyes on Jesus with me? Receive his hand extended in mercy to all of us, and then to extend our hands to a world so divided by sin. Amen.